0: We need to have a better environment that fosters kids to make them understand that you can be smart in other ways than learning out of a book. The age old thing that you hear kids say is, you know, where am I ever going to use this? Well, if you can get people <laughs> doing some hands-on application, it shows them that. So even the ones that are more book learners, there's some opportunities for them to learn stuff in the hands-on environment.
1: You know, if you're a twenty two year old kid and you're you're looking at coming up with a career, or figuring out what you what you want to do if you care and you want to, there are so many opportunities in this field to advance. You need to understand what you're passionate about, because when you figure out what you're passionate about, the rest of the things are gonna fit around themselves, and if you try and force yourself into a career you're not passionate about, it seldom is going to yield happiness in the end.
2: Welcome back to the Born to Design podcast, a collection of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas and do actual new products. And by the way, they all use SOLIDWORKS. I'm your host, Cliff Melling, and I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of the Born to Design podcast, innovation. It's not just about design. Today I'm talking with Scott and Scott of MetalQuest. Scott Harms is the CEO and Scott Volk is the COO. We talk about innovation in manufacturing and the many misconceptions around what manufacturing is today. Manufacturing is one of the largest growing high-tech industries with many opportunities and great careers. So let's jump right into the interview now. Scott Harms, why don't we start with you? So tell us about MetalQuest, where it got started.
1: So MetalQuest started in rural Nebraska uh, in 1996. I started the company uh, literally when I was 22 years old. I mean, just turned, turned 22. I was young, I was ambitious. It's it's something that, you know, growing up on a farm and growing up in a rural area, um, I was taught work ethic at a very young age, and um, kind of the entrepreneurial spirit and stuff like that. As a company, you have to differentiate yourself from the competition. That's something that's tremendously important. So the very first machine that was purchased was a three-axis CNC lathe. Um, multitasking was not a word in 1996 in manufacturing. You know, typically you had a two-axis CNC lathe and you had a you know, a vertical machining center, um, you had op 10, op 20, however you wanted to look at it. And, uh, that's just the way things were done. We've always taken approach, you know, from the start. And I wanted to highlight that of, of trying to do as much as we possibly can in one process, um, to try and create the the ultimate level of process control, enhance efficiency, enhance, you know, throughput and, you know, just basically make the most, you know, of who we are from from a quality standpoint, from a, production capability standpoint, and all of that.
2: What's that grown to today? Tell us about MetalQuest today.
1: So today we hover right around 70 people. Um, That's right where we're at, 70, 75, right in that vicinity. We currently have two locations, one in Nebraska, one in Idaho. I feel that, you know, we're we're kind of an industry leader in the way we approach um, from a job shop standpoint, manufacturing and job shop type manufacturing. Uh, we have the capability of manufacturing the entire product line start to finish, taking care of all of the raw components, you know, the initial sourcing, et cetera, all the way to any kind of subcontract, all the way to putting it in our customers' packaging for their specs to where they don't even have to touch it. We utilize, uh, you know, advanced robotics, advanced multitasking machines, and some of truly the, the most capable, highest technology machinery, you know, sold in the world to create parts the most competitive way we can and try and, uh, you know, go head to head with, um you know, low-cost countries like China, India, et cetera.
2: Uh, thank you. That, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. But the next question is, you know, why would anybody want to get in manufacturing? I mean, it, it's in that, you know, just guys in sweaty T-shirts with grease all over them. And you know, as the pictures we've seen from videos back in the 50s, right, manufacturing is this, you just sit at one station and you, you know, Laverne and Shirley, I, I think of when I think of manufacturing sometimes, yeah. you know, they're watching the beer bottles go through and they're doing the same thing, repetitive motion over and over again but that's not manufacturing today. So what, why would anybody want to get in manufacturing? And what are the opportunities there? If somebody wants to start this career as a 22 year old, like you were years ago.
1: You know, you touch on a lot of good points and you know, our entire industry didn't do itself a lot of favors for a long time. Um, traditionally manufacturing has got a very negative stereotype attached to it. You know, as you alluded to, typically people think it's dirty. They think it's loud. They quite honestly, you know, Think of the the way it is, you know, or was at the turn of the century. It's evolved so far from that. Manufacturing today is as cutting edge of technology as you will see pretty much anywhere else. The machine tools we use, the processes we use, and pretty much everything that goes into making parts that that meet today's standards, they're done on highly sophisticated machinery that you, you have to have an IQ to run. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts you can't be a jack of all trades master of none you know you have specialists within this field no different than you had before you know one of the things you know in working with kids we've tried to to instill this is a tech occupation most people think of tech fields you know they think of the silicon valley and stuff like that this occupation has just as much technology in it as pretty much any occupation that you're going to see anywhere the machines they're capable of doing some phenomenal stuff. And when you look at the computers behind the machines, it's a lot of power, I guess, is the best way of putting it.
2: Right. So, so there is a lot of opportunity. You're not sitting at your station. I, I, I mean, I know this, but I'm just asking you. So if you're, if you're starting off just working one piece of machinery at your company, you could grow on to, to manage the team. You could grow on to program machines or even design layouts or assembly. What, what, what are the type of opportunities there?
1: So we always tell people it's up to you. You know, at the end of the day, there's not a free ride anywhere. But to build on what you're saying, you're absolutely right. I mean, people that have the will, you know, and, and they have the capability of caring and want to, et cetera. There is a huge demand for machinists and people in manufacturing in this entire nation. Um, you know, kind of like I alluded to before, you know, our manufacturing forefathers, I guess you might say, didn't do us a lot of favors because, you know, they didn't emphasize the importance if you hold something in your hand that you buy, that you see, or whatever, you know, that, that was created, it came from manufacturing, you know, people take manufacturing for granted. So from an advancement standpoint, you know, if you're a 22 year old kid, and you're, you're looking at, at coming up with a career, or figuring out what you, you want to do, if you care, and you want to, there are so many opportunities in this field to advance, just become passionate about it, just look at what's around you, try hard, pay attention to the details. And yes, um, you know, you're probably going to advance because there's there's such a shortage and, and you're going to c- continue to get challenged is the best way, I guess. Bo- build on that.
2: No, I, I agree. This is sometimes a common theme in this podcast. You know, we I talked to a lot of teachers in high school. I talked to other people and there's – it seems like, you know, we're, we're, we're teaching, you know, reading, writing and arithmetic and there is usually some tech uh, school. We call it CTE at my, my children's school. But how can we do a better job in education? You know, as you said, people don't understand how things are made. How can we do a better job in education showing them that there's tons of opportunity in manufacturing?
1: Just awareness is the best way. You know, it seemed like, you know, in our area in the 90s, you know, we pretty much defunded all of the vocational type classes in the high schools. And whether it be plumbers, whether it be electricians, auto body guys, auto repair guys. I mean, these are all people that are needed in our society. And there's a shortage in all of these areas. So I think that, you know, we need to do a much better job of not just educating the students, but we also have to educate the parents that um, these fields have got a very high return as far as uh, revenue capability. You don't have to have tons and tons of debt with college and stuff like that to get into a lot of them. There's a lot of technical high schools now that are developing in some of the, the more metro areas that are, um, you know, essentially career centers to where, you know, you can graduate high school with associates type certifications in a lot of uh, areas that can get you a huge jumpstart into a career. You know, if you look at the ROI on some of these fields, and again, I'll bring in plumbers, electricians, you know, auto repair guys, all of those, auto body, it's pretty phenomenal what they can make per hour when they care about what they're doing, when they try hard and, uh, you know, become passionate about it. And, you know, you look at, the amount of time you have to spend possibly, and I'm not against four-year colleges by any means. They they definitely have their place. But I think for many years, it became kind of like a an intelligence benchmark. It's like, you're not smart enough to go to a four-year college, you know, or you are. And if you go to a four-year college, you should do X. And that's not the case at all because manufacturing, you know, as I said before, there's so much technology here and you have to be intelligent to fully harness, you know, what these machines are capable of.
2: Scott Volke, you look like you wanted to add something there.
0: Yeah, I guess just to build off what Scott was saying, I I think one of the largest disservices that our education system does is they put all the focus on colleges instead of the focus on careers. Now, obviously, manufacturing does need to do a much, much better job of marketing itself. But aside from that, we aren't given the opportunity, even if we could market ourselves better, we aren't given the opportunity to reach students like we need to because everyone's told you need to go to college and then you figure out what you're going to do with your life. And even it's like, okay, I'm gonna take a certain career path in college, but the focus is still on college, not the career path. And I think that that's a really key distinction that people need to understand and make. What should be going on is we should talk about what do you wanna do with your life? And once that decision is made, then you step back and tell that student how they're going to get to that point in their career or their point in their life, excuse me. So I think that that would make a much do a much better job of getting students better prepared for an actual career if they did that. You know, for instance, for like a machinist, if I was visiting with a 14-year-old student and started talking about, you know, how cool it is to figure out how to make something. And, you know, that whole fascination of taking something from nothing to a final product, you know, like you were saying, like with iPhones, you know, how do you make an iPhone? A much simpler concept, but still very complex is a pencil. I don't know if you've ever heard the, the story about the if you break down the manufacturing process of a pencil but you know, just in a pencil, you have the lead, you have the wood, you have the metal band that holds the eraser, you have the eraser, and then you have the entire supply chain that that supports each one of those products. Um, so when you break that down, I mean, manufacturing is just a fascinating thing. So if you approach a young student saying like, this is something that you find interesting, or you see someone that, that finds interest in this. The default answer shouldn't be so, okay, so now you're going to go to four-year school and you're going to learn X, Y, and Z, and then you'll figure out what you want to do with your life. It should be instead fostering that curiosity. And as that curiosity develops, then you take them down a certain path. You know, like in the case of like a machinist, you'd recommend possibly we have in Nebraska, we have CTE uh, as well. And we have a lot of high schools in the area that are starting to have manufacturing programs. The so first thing I would do is point them to one of the, the high school manufacturing programs and get the fundamentals, and then I would point them to one of the area community colleges that has a focus on machining, and then I get them out in the workplace. You know, one of the things that we're doing at MelloQuest is we're working on a sponsorship program where we can take a student in that type of situation and take them through the high school part and the college part, and then bring them out and train them up to where they're a full-blown machinist at some point. You know, my, my uh, ultimate goal at some point is to have a, like, a really solid apprenticeship program where we're taking these students that are 14, 16 years old, start working them part-time after school, getting them used to things, getting them comfortable with the machines, get them interested, more interested in what's going on and just take them through the entire process and bring them back as a full-time employee at MetalQuest to, to wrap up their education, you'd say, but, you know, real-life education where they they're, they're actually learn something in life where, you know, a lot of times with a lot of the schooling that you have, a majority of it doesn't really apply to what they're going to do the rest of their life. And you hear that all the time. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's not to disparage what people learn in school, but a lot of times it's not really the stuff they need to learn. If people would focus more on what they needed to, I think they could get out of school a lot quicker. Absolutely. I, I
2: couldn't agree more. That, that's excellent. You touched on this apprenticeship program. Do you have any personal stories you can share? You don't have to use names, but of somebody that you brought in, I, I'm sure there must've been some young person that you what have you brought into the office? Like, I had no idea this is how it worked and how it was made. And is there any stories like that that you could share?
1: The company itself now is 25 years old. So we've got a little bit of history. Uh, We brought one kid in, you know, he was in high school. You know, we taught him about manufacturing. He did just a job shadow and uh, he went on to NDT, uh, which is like non-destructive testing, went down to the, the oil field. And I mean, he's in charge of crews right now. I mean, he has a very, very successful career. That that one's probably the best one that I can think off the top of my head because, you know, he didn't know what he wanted to do in life. Again, from our area, you know, hands-on sort of guy. You know, we taught him essentially what we were doing, taught him how to do it, and he started looking at subfields within this occupation and really liked NDT and became very successful as a result.
0: Um, that said, one that comes to mind. He's been around so long, you kind of forget about it. But uh, our QA manager. He started out, you know, like right out of high school, he was running some machines for Scott when when there was machines out of Scott's parents' farm place. And that's how he got, got his exposure. And then he went to trade school here in Nebraska at Southeast Community College and, you know, worked his way up, started here full time, and now he's a quality manager. So yeah. we, we have a lot of guys here that started young, just, you know, for myself personally, I my uncle has a farm, but he always, for as long as I've been around, he's built and repaired farm equipment and so i've been around mills and lathes and welders and plasma cutters and punches and iron workers my entire life that's why i do what i do because when i was a kid i was around that stuff i loved it i was fascinated with making things out of metal you know i love the smell of when you're welding i mean that just that smell is just awesome to me you know so that's why i do what i do and so i we see that a lot with kids that you know once they're exposed to that there's a probably more kids than you would expect that are really interested in that. But the, the sad thing is, is we don't have the opportunities like we used to, to expose kids to those type of careers. And, you know, that's one of the things that we're trying to do in the state is to try to change that, you know, trying to get as many students into Quest as possible and to talk about the exciting careers there are. And one of the things that Scott touched on a little earlier is the, the high-tech nature of, of manufacturing. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: So the one thing that I remember is, I can't remember the percentage, but it's like 60 or 70% of students do well in a regular classroom environment. But now we see that some students truly learn by doing. They're, they're hands-on. They learn by doing hands-on. Is there
1: anything we could mention around that? I think you bring up a tremendous point because for years and years, schools literally were designed to learn by teaching, learn by the books. You know, this is what you're supposed to learn. This is, this is what I'm telling you, and that's just the way it is. I can speak for myself you know i am personally a hands-on person um i definitely do not learn well in just you know a taught environment you know with somebody standing in front of me and explaining things to me it's it's much more of a hands-on style for me and i think that if we truly want to focus on the best way to educate kids going forward you know we have to continue to bring more of that in and i think there was a disconnect for years i think finally people are starting to pay attention to this You're starting to see some STEM schools and different things like that, you know, appear and, you know, getting a lot more of those concepts into the school and uh, getting a lot more collaboration, you know, the hands-on aspect, the team type environments, I think it is so critical because if you just tell somebody, it's like, hey, you need to pay attention to this and here's what I'm telling you and now I'm going to test you on it. That's not how people retain things for the long term. There's no very little relationship with life at that point in time when you start working with your hands, you actually burn it into your brain and you start understanding and you build upon it. And it's it's a very successful strategy for a lot of kids. So, you know, I, I think we really need to embrace that as a culture and uh, build upon it. And
0: having those applied programs, like we're starting to see back in high schools, like Scott said, that's, that's key. And I think the age old thing that you hear kids say is, you know, where am I ever gonna use this? Well, if you can get people <laughs> doing some hands-on application it shows them that. So even the ones that are more book learners, there's some opportunities for them to learn stuff in the hands-on environment. Even if your high school doesn't have like a full career pathway type program, we're starting to see more opportunities where high schools are trying to engage industry through apprenticeships and just having like work releases where in the afternoon, the juniors and seniors can go spend a couple hours with an employer, even if it's a few days a week, at least it's giving them that exposure. The other thing is, Going back to what I was saying earlier, I feel like there's been such a disservice with pushing everybody to college, and I think that makes the the hands-on learner, which most people in manufacturing are hands-on learners. That's just that's you know that, that's the environment that we're used to. That's how we that's how we learn. So a lot of us in school really had to work really really hard to feel like we were actually going to be successful because we were told that if you don't get a good grade, um, you're, you're you know you're you're nothing. And it was really hard to get a good grade because, I mean, it's hard to focus on that stuff. I mean, I remember uh, it made me so mad my brothers would, wouldn't have to study anything. And I would study for hours just to learn the same thing just so I could try to have a good grade to prove that I was as smart as they were when, you know, it, that really wasn't the case. But So I, we need to have a better environment that fosters these kids to make them understand that you can be smart in other ways than learning out of a book. And if we're able to expose them to careers that aren't necessarily being a doctor or a lawyer or something like that where you need to have a lot of college and a lot of a lot of reading and uh, that type of learning environment you can be just successful doing something else and i mean this all comes back to me it comes back to doing a better job showing exposing students early to different careers and really putting them down the path of this is how you're going to learn to do your career this is in, in high school in college and out of college. And so a lot of times that's maybe might not even be college, but a lot of times it's not going to be four year school and you are just as smart. You're going to be just successful. Absolutely.
1: No, I, I totally agree with everything Volk said. And I, I think it's so important to to establish that. I think that it becomes a self-esteem issue. I mean, to be honest with you, because like Volk said, it's drilled into kids heads because the unfortunate situation is, you know, uh, our entire educational system, like I said, for years was designed a certain way, and there's a negative stereotype associated with, you know, any kind of vo type school, and I'm not condoning it at all. I'm actually the opposite of that, and we're living examples because, uh, you know, both Scott Volk and myself, you know, have uh, vocational degrees. very. Period. Yeah, period. That's absolutely. And we're I mean, we're proud of that. Um, But again, it's it's not running a four year college down. And I I realize that's kind of how it comes across. And I don't mean to at all. It's just it's knowing the difference and making sure that they're viewed in the right context. Because, you know, when you teach your kids, you know, starting in the fifth, sixth, seventh grade, that you need to be prepared for all this calculus and you need to be prepared for all this trig and this advanced literature. And it's like you, you need all this stuff in life. And the reality is you don't need it all in life. I mean, you need to understand what you need in life. You under, you need to understand what you're passionate about, because when you figure out what you're passionate about, the rest of the things are going to fit around themselves. And if you try and force yourself into a career you're not passionate about, it seldom is going to yield happiness in the end.
0: So something that
1: uh, I believe Scott and I were both in the same meeting when I heard this one time that
0: and I'm by no means an expert, and, you know, I'm I'm. Information I'm hearing from somebody else, but the story we were told was in Germany that it's actually more prestigious to have and go through an apprenticeship program, and the four year degree is a consolation prize, which is the total opposite of what it is here in the United States. And I'm not saying that it needs to be a consolation prize for a four year degree, but at least it would be nice to be on that same status level where it is just as prestigious, if not more, to go the apprenticeship route to do that trades application. You know, I think that that's such a neat model and obviously we have different cultures and there's different things that have to be thought through on that but i think that we need to start trying to figure out how to make that shift and to look at things different and you know, going back to trying to get more people in this line of work i think a lot of it comes back to just that societal view of what you're going to do in life you know most people they look at us and you know like not quite sure is like you know what did you do wrong in life that you ended up in manufacturing and you know it's unfortunate but that's that's how it comes across a lot of times and it's really not. I mean, this is something that we're very proud of.
2: It should be, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it should, should. I appreciate you guys uh, speaking your minds on this because I, I totally agree. So where is the future of manufacturing? Where do you see it going? Where are the jobs of the future?
1: That, that's a great question. And obviously, if we knew that exactly, you know, it would make life a lot easier. But as with every occupation, and I mentioned this early on, your ability of of being a jack-of-all-trades is becoming more limited with with each and every day. Within our field, even since this company started, people have become more specialized as as new pieces of technology come about. You know, additive manufacturing right now is is tremendously big, and you know we're figuring out what we can all apply additive manufacturing to. You know, the different types of additive manufacturing, et cetera. The easiest way of summing this up if the world needs one part of something let's say it needs one part to make you know a mold or a die or you know something for an assembly line or something you know there's always going to be have to, have to be a machinist involved in some way shape or form for the most part you know assuming it's made out of you know metal or you know plastics and stuff like that it to a degree you know precise somewhere along the line you know a machinist will probably be around it you know when you start looking at volumes and stuff you're going to continue to see more advanced machinery be able to to knock out parts that are higher tolerance that are, uh, which, I mean, they basically a tighter tolerance type part. They're more, they're cut more accurately. They're cut faster using advanced cutting tools, you know, that we may not know about right now. Efficiencies are definitely going to come up, you know, robotics and stuff are going to continue to um, shape the landscape. And I guess when I mention robotics, robotics are not taking people's jobs. And that's, I, I have to mention that now, because we talk about the future of manufacturing, you know, robots are doing things that people don't want to do. To say anything else is is just really unfortunate and it's a disservice to our entire industry. You know, like our company is bringing robotics uh, in to do things that, you know, from a safety standpoint, whether it be like carpal tunnel, whether it be, you know, um, air quality, different things like that. Our robots are doing things that we don't want our people doing from a safety standpoint. And, you know, from an availability standpoint, we talk about the shortages of people. So you're going to continue to see technology, try and find ways around the shortage of people that we've been talking about within this entire segment. You know, robots are going to come into play. You're going to have people more specialized, understanding aspects of manufacturing that are only going to get more technical, that are going to get more sophisticated and more capable to do some really amazing things uh, going forward. I guess that's my quick take. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Just kind of building off what he's saying, maybe sum it up just a little bit from, in my mind, where things are headed, we're high tech, we're using the latest tech, and obviously technology continues to evolve. I mean, when you're using the latest technology, you need to always be at the leading edge and understanding that. I think where our industry is going, where where, where we need people are people that are able to understand that technology and able to understand how to apply that technology to make us as efficient and productive as possible our available labor continues to dwindle. It's harder and harder for us to find people to do things. But at the same time, we're getting higher technology that allows us to do more with less people. So as long as we continue to have people that can understand that technology that we have and utilize it to continue to produce more and more product with less and less people, we're gonna be okay. So you know, we need, we need strategic out of the box thinkers that are always willing to learn and understand and adopt the latest and greatest and figure out how to apply that to certain situations. You know, one of the things I love about manufacturing is no two manufacturing companies are alike. You know, there can be a shop that someone could say, they're just like MetalQuest. No, they aren't, there's no way. We could have the exact same machines, the exact same equipment. We're gonna do things differently. Everybody does things differently. Everybody has a new spin on So it's taking that technology and how you're going to use that in your company, with your people, to your specific customers, and your specific needs to make sure you're being as efficient, as productive as possible. That's, that's the type
1: of people we're looking for. Absolutely. And just from the important standpoint, look at the Industrial Revolution and look at you know, how the United States was shaped into the, the great country it is right now. If we don't pay attention to some of this, we're going to have somebody else in the world manufacture everything for us. How capable are we at that point in time? Because at that point, you're just recycling money you know, you're not doing anything for yourself and you're really going to be completely at the mercy of any country at any given time. And if they don't like you and they stop shipping you individual things, large things, you know, complete assemblies, you'll be doing without at that point because you've lost all the tribal knowledge and the, the historic knowledge on how to do these things.
0: If, if we truly wanted to, as a, uh, as the United States, we could manufacture everything we needed ourselves to the point of the natural resources and stuff we do. Obviously not everybody, You know, we can't be everything to everybody, but we could be doing so much more than we are right now. If people were to adopt the latest and greatest technologies and understand manufacturing to the level that we need people to understand it, there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't do things just as cost effective as lower cost countries. It's just, it's a mindset that we need to really challenge people to start thinking differently and and use those technologies to make us more efficient, more self-sufficient here in the States.
1: Excellent point. Awesome. Well, this was great, guys. Well, yeah, thanks for the time. And uh, it's going to take all of us to get this word out and this message out because we've been, you know, really on the sidelines for way too long. And, you know, we've got to do a better job. Companies like us and manufacturing industry in general, um, truly marketing itself and the, the strategic, critical importance it is for our country to be able to retain it.
2: Right. And change the stigma, as you were saying earlier, of what manufacturing is too, right? Absolutely. yeah, Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for listening today. And if you're looking for more machining and production tools, both on-premise or cloud-based, go to SolidWorks.com slash production to learn more about SolidWorks manufacturing solutions on the 3D Experience platform. That's SolidWorks.com slash production. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at SolidWorks.com slash podcast or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep innovating. I really hope that what you heard today has inspired you. If you enjoyed it, head on over to iTunes, search for the Born to Design podcast, and please leave us a five-star review so that this podcast will be recommended to more people, helping us expand the Born to Design community. Thank you.